is the 95th episode of Stockholm Legacy Report, a podcast about paper legacy. My name is Victor Berhertz. With me are my dear co-hosts Robinson Sen and Christopher Wikström. The full team gather again as heavy summer rains roll in over Sweden. Warm welcome to you, dear listener. Hello, friends. Good to be back. Hello, everybody. And yeah, welcome back, Robin. Stockholm Legacy Report can be found whenever we release on the Top Deck app. In this episode, we are all about Paper Legacy again, Robin. After a long summer roaming the lands, you sent up the bat signal last Thursday in various channels, asking people to arrive early at the local game store. You just wanted to play Legacy. Yeah. So how did all that work out for you? Well, as you can probably imagined I was really keen on playing Legacy after several weeks without touching cardboard and slinging spells at all. So nobody really caught my bat signal. I had almost a fish on the hook, but he got into some adult things that needed to be handled. So I arrived there in my normal time so that I had time to eat a burger before it all started. And I actually got to get in a few games before it all started. But it was not a, a full day of magic as I had hoped, of course. I brought a little spicy brew. Like the origin of this is that I've been thinking a lot about 8-cast and how that deck fares in a bow meta where a thought monitor will get will get immediately killed upon entering the battlefield because of the draw trigger. Like following the Discord discussions and all of that, I understand that the draw cards is not so strong right now. And Emery is just dead upon arrival, more or less. And I've been thinking a lot about the card Galvanic Relay in a 8-bauble deck. So that was like my thoughts going into this. And then I realized it's not an 8-cast shell that I'm after. It's more of a Black Saga Storm shell. So I made a, a brew out of the Black Saga Storm shell. So Black Saga Storm is a, a mono-black storm deck which plays Ursa Saga for a plan B, beatdown plan, with the plan A is grabbing a LED out of the search trigger. And then you just play like baubles, all of the fast artifact mana and uh, rituals and uh, tutors and you're a super good ad nauseum deck because you have super low curve and then you have a tendrils but i diluted the deck with red (laughs) and put a few galvanic relays in there so it was not an optimized list by any means but i wanted to play big galvanic relays that was what i was going to do having waited all summer to play some magic of course i start with the buy (laughs) <laughs> my first oh, match. No. <laughs> that's unfair. It's not right. No, that's not right. After that, I'm paired against a fellow I haven't played before. He's a visitor from Umeå. Shout out to people uh, as, like having a stay in Stockholm, swinging by the store and play some magic. That's super cool. He was on a lure run. He was only on two bowmasters, as I should learn. But in game one, I keep a relay hand, which is like the sort of magic I came to play. And I follow up with an ad nauseum. And like ad nauseum in this disc is super good. But when you start playing a lot of relays, and <laughs> a lot of <laughs> it's not so good. So actually I go down to one from, I think I am at 20 because you haven't dealt me a single damage. And I go down to one. I cannot, I cannot win on that turn, but I think I can make another relay to set up a good next turn (laughs) and like he taps up and he should he have a bowmaster in his hand he could just ping me for one (laughs) yeah that's that's nasty so the thing about this deck is played 10 discard spells so you can always like check if if the the coast is clear but no bow to kill me there and uh, i got 
a little bit lucky, I should say. And in the second hand, I have a super good hand. I have a hand that can discard him and then tutor LED for a relay. So that's like a seven or eight relay. That's quite strong. On the following turn, I just have the nuts and, and go for uh, ad nauseum protected nice. and he scoops actually before i <laughs> resolve it i think it was maybe not so <laughs> maybe he should have seen what happened because adnosians were not really with me today but a good start against an alluring opponent in the third round i matched up against death shadow uh, a deck that has been more and more popular at our lgs and in the first game i draw a bad first hand with no actual lands and follow up with a second bad hand with no actual lands. So I have to move to five. I never really get to take off and he kills me in a quick fashion. From what I have understand watching Tony Scaponi, the originator of this deck, is that against the tempo decks you pivot into the constructs plan. This deck plays uh, things like Fatal Push, Snuff Out, that kind of removal spells. They are probably not in the sideboard for game two. And he has a great scam hand, so he starts with griefing me and reanimating grief and takes like all of the storm cards, but he doesn't take the saga. <laughs> so I make constructs and then I fetch a shadow spear and Ooh, just equips it to yeah. my constructs. And I win the race against that little elemental. Yeah, that little elemental that is trying to beat me down. And he dies with a hand full of forces and daces and all of that stuff. Mm. It doesn't do anything. Saga is good. Yeah, Saga is good. Saga is really good. And it's super cool to have this like plan that you can pivot into against some other decks. Of course, a wasteland would have ruined my day there. In game three, he has several bows, but I have a lot of discard. And he has too few of the blue cards. So I don't really need to discard all of his forces because <laughs> he, uh, he don't have blue cards to pitch to it. He gets me down to somewhere around 12 and I can add Nozim from there. But now I boarded out all of the Galvanic <laughs> Relays in the third game. Smooth sailing. It's a clean add Nozim from there. And uh, I managed to win against Shadow. Mm, nice. When you have cut the relays, is the ad nauseum situation like, uh, do you know the total mana cost of your deck? Like, it must be very low. Yeah, so it's it's eight tutors, like Witch Claw Talisman and uh, Infernal Tutors. And then there's four rituals, and it's ten one-mana discard cards, and it's a Shadow Spear. Oh, it's very low then. And everything is zeros. <laughs> it's beautiful. Yeah, like, it's beautiful. That's the scariest at Nauseam. Yeah. Reminds me of that land deck. Yeah. I remember that there was this, like, mono-black land deck that played at Nauseam, and it just, I think it pretty much could draw the entire deck. Yeah, I think it was blue-black and, pl- and played Cunning Wish to, to grab Ad Nauseam, right? So it, yeah, the, it was the, something like that. I it, so it, it was only 12 total CMC in the deck. <laughs> yeah, so <laughs> Ad was, was pretty much draw your deck. Yeah, it was cool. Well, put your deck in your hand. Yeah, and then you could Cunning Wish for some weird spell that killed your opponent by pitching land from your hand, right? Something like that. Yeah, I can't remember, but it was beautiful. Uh, this is, has a little bit of those qualities, I should say. In the final round, I'm up against my opponent from the former season finals. And I have scouted the meta when I had a buy. So I know that he is on Depths today. Not Manaya Depths, which is my like trusty deck, but the new iteration of Depth that people are, are trying out, where you sub out the red and play black for, for Bowmasters instead. And uh, I know this, so I, ha- I keep a 
a really good hand. I think I maybe move to six or I just keep this god hand where I can turn one ad nauseum. And I know there's no interaction or anything that he can do, so I just play it out. But again, <laughs> this ad nauseum almost kills me. <laughs> <laughs> because I have, I have to do really convoluted lines to make enough mana in the end, because all those relays disturbing the, the, the hands. And then I'm really unsure how to like, I understand I need to be fast in this matchup, and so I board out the, the Galvanic Relays again, and uh, in the second game, he is on the play, and he has a really good hand. He has an Opal, he thought seizes me, takes one of the cards, and then plays a Savannah and Deafening Silence, and Oof. I don't have an out the Deafening Silence in my entire 75, because uh, you're supposed to play one Feed the Swarm. But I don't own a Feed the Swarm. <laughs> I play, try to get the Saga going. He has a Wasteland. I scoop. Or actually, he kills me before I scoop. And then in the third game, I keep a hand that has quite a lot of discards. So I think that I can take his most dangerous cards. And then I just need a little bit more mana. I need to draw into a little bit mana. And then I will have a Nauseam on turn 2 or turn 3. And he has a reclaimer and i think that i am like not really understanding the sequencing correctly because i think i shall i shall play uh, the saga as fast as possible to get the led as fast as possible but instead i try to develop my mana so that i can fatal push his uh, reclaimer <laughs> and uh, he finds wasteland for my saga so it doesn't produce an led and uh, oh. uh, from there on he he can like destroy some artifact and waste the land and I never assembled that mana that I needed. I sort of botched that game, I think. And he makes Merit Lage and kills me. So uh, losing uh, the, the final game of the night, sadly. But uh, having a real good time with this deck. And of course, coming home and making some tuning. <laughs> <laughs> the Galvanic Relays, sort of perhaps not next time. Yeah, I, I mean, I think this was also a little bit too much in between those two decks. I mean, maybe you can make a Galvanic yeah. Relay deck that has more of a grind plan that is more of like the old grinding station storm or something like that. Or maybe just like the straight up, you know, Ruby Storm. Right, you, you could do something like that instead. But really fun to play and, and I also like the Constructs Pivot and the Shadow Spear and all of that. So pretty cool. That was my first Magic Night for this season. Well, Robin, welcome back. Glad to see that you brought not only sort of the results, but also something that is interesting to discuss. Very far outside of my comfort zone. Might be something good for others. So you, Christopher, you haven't played this week, nor have I. As I said last week, happy Pride. So I've been doing that instead. But you have been, we discovered, invited to a season finals of the Invasion Tour because you finished so well in that tournament in, when was that, March? Yeah, I, I don't remember when we played. You went top four sometime in these past months in North Shopping. Yeah. And you've qualified for a tournament where the formats are going to be modern and pioneer. <laughs> How do you feel about this? Well, I don't own deck in either format i haven't played modern properly in nine eight years i haven't <laughs> played a single game of either lord of the rings draft which was also <laughs> on the schedule and i've never played a single game of pioneer like my pioneer <laughs> knowledge extends only to whenever bryant cook uploads pioneer videos to to his youtube channel so it's you know i might go and just have fun try and borrow decks and you know yeah 
just happy to be there and draft for free, I guess, because that's uh, that's. I was gonna say you you could get a four in one ring. You never know. Yeah, <laughs> that rare keep draft. Let's go. Yeah, if any of our listeners do have some tips and actually knows anything about modern and pioneer, do write some suggestions and tips in the Discord channel because I am definitely out of my comfort zone here <laughs> well uh, we wish you the best of luck in this en- endeavor lately it does seem as if orcish bowmasters are finding a place in all of decks not a surprise if you've been listening to us the last couple of weeks or indeed anyone else talking about legacy currently robin you just mentioned that the bowmasters were included in last week's local game store first place jank depths and jank that is white black green for all you zoomers out there as expected voices are voiced about the need to ban this card the argument usually goes like the lines of sort of this card is format warping or this card goes in all decks just like Arkham's Astrolabe. And I would say that there is very little solid tournament result evidence to support the first claim. I will concede that the card has made its way into quite a few existing archetypes, but warped is a strong overstatement at this point in time, in my view at least. And on the contrary, I would say that Legacy seems to be doing rather well currently. I mean, I've been looking at, I compared sort of top eight lists for tournaments prior to Bowmasters being a thing and currently, and on sort of face value, it looks the same to me, essentially. It's just that this card has sort of is an addition that is making a lot of decks better and is making sort of playing Brainstorm slightly more difficult. Also, this card isn't in every deck. And just because someone sort of finished high on an MTGO challenge with sort of three or four Orcish Bowmasters in the 75 doesn't necessarily mean all that much. I mean, did they play them? Did they, you know, usually bore them in or out? Who knows? And a disclaimer for this, we are recording this before the banned and restricted announcement of uh, 7th August. So everything we say here now just might be completely silly but i want to bring this up anyway so guys tell me quickly am i in the right or in the wrong here being sort of all of you people raising voices you are just doing so unnecessarily loud or am i just sort of being full of myself i'm kind of on your side here my main reason is i mean sure a lot of decks are playing orcish bowmasters i usually go to mtg top eight to just see what decks are playing like paper decks and they include some online results as well but from there the last two months orcish bowmasters has been identified as the most popular creature most frequently cast creature card in legacy where a whopping 30.2 percent plays an average of 3.4 bowmasters but here's here's my take when i think about warping cards i think about how it affects the enjoyment players get from playing like playing with the card and against it and if we compare this to some other two drops that for me was very format warping i think bowmasters is quite okay it's a 1-1 it has a massive rate for what 
you get for that card. It's very flexible, can be a haymaker, but it's also like a 1-1 creature that does a thing. Compare this to, for me, real 2-mana format warping cards in Renan 6, Underworld Breach, Dreadhorde Arcanist. You know, these cards are usually not super fun to play against. And to be honest, not fun to play with either. And I think Bowmasters, there are a lot less decks that Bowmasters is just lights out for than a lot of cards that I think deserves to be on the ban list. I don't think it snowballs a game. It's it's very, you know, it hinders the opponent from doing things, but like cantripping without taking damage. It's not a hull breacher. It's not an opposition agent when it comes to, you know, denying the opponent the opportunity to play the game. It just, if they are a blue deck and want to play brainstorms and stuff, it's going to hurt a bit more. And I think that's one one of the reasons why the Bowmasters count is so high is that one of the best cards against Bowmasters is your own Bowmaster to shoot theirs. I think given enough time, the numbers will decrease Bowmaster-wise, but I do think that it's going to be a card that's probably going to push Baleful Strix out of the meta quite hard. Yep. I also think that it's a card that's making us think about our brainstorm heuristics. I've seen a lot more players on the play main facing a brainstorm with a fetch than I've ever seen before. I think it's a lot of, it's a new kid on the block and not everybody's happy about it. But I think power level wise, so far, I don't think a single card from Lord of the Rings is a problem for legacy. Maybe in other formats, there are some, some situations that might not be great, but Legacy, this is a power format. Uh, It's not the most powerful one, but it is the brainstorm format. So I I understand why we're having this discussion, but I don't think the power level is there. I agree with you guys. I think, of course, that when a card is played so much as Bowmasters is right now, some decks that were viable before Bowmasters are pretty hard to play now. If they consist of a lot of X1s, they will have a hard time. As you said, Strix is hard to play. I'm not looking Looking forward to Green Sun for a Dryad Arbor with my Nia Adepts. I think that Dryad Arbor is going to be a liability. And a lot of other cards like Noble Hierarchs. And uh, I'm happy I don't play Infect, for instance. I think some decks will uh, will hurt a lot from Bowmasters being a, a very played card. But I don't think it's too strong. But it, of course, will hinder some archetypes from playing. And I think that it will slow the tempo in Legacy quite a lot. As you said, Bowmasters is the best answer to another Bowmaster. So if you start with a Bowmaster, you are like taking a risk. Because the second Bowmaster that comes down is better than the first. Because it kills the first Bowmaster. I think Legacy, at least in the Blue Mirrors, will be a lot of more draw-go Bowmaster cat and mouse game for a while. And uh, perhaps in against some matchups, Bowmaster is just awful. When you played uh, like a Snapcaster against some decks, you had no cards that were doing anything against that deck. But you... You flashed in a, a Snapcaster to just beat for two. That's how Bowmaster yeah. is in a lot of matchups. It's just a beater for <laughs> for two. Yeah. That's why I played Black Saga Storm. It really don't care about Bowmaster. 
Like you can play, you you might ping me for, uh, with a bauble trigger, but I don't care because I'm going to ad nauseum or just die. <laughs> so like the bowmaster doesn't really matter there. Yeah. And I think that's that's how it is with a lot of decks. They don't care about bowmaster. Bowmaster is not really interesting there. But in the fair matchups, it's of course making an it it, it has an effect on those matchups. But I don't think it's it's on a power level bandworthy at all. One thing that I also think is interesting to look at is when we're looking at you know how frequently do people play bowmasters, and you know I I found a number of around thirty percent of the decks. If we just say that you know brainstorm days and force is the holy like we don't touch these cards, they are a part of legacy there are other cards that still hits those same numbers like lotus petal is also 30 percent and uh, where do we draw the distinction i think it's a lot of you know this card is very good in brainstorm days for stacks but also very good against them yeah so i do think that it's a bit of a lot of people's legacy decks feel worse when they when the opponent has a gotcha moment with a bowmaster but i started feeling that when Hullbreacher got printed for me i mean it is one mana and one mana is a lot in legacy but i i do think that there's a latency period here where we just have to find out i would be shocked if any changes would be made to legacy tomorrow yeah i i would almost uh, bet on it not happening well you listener will know once this episode is in your podcast machines but also i do think perhaps that the existence of bowmasters have made the announcement of modern horizons 3 sort of hasn't landed popular at least amongst the people that i follow in legacy circles and it got me thinking to realize sort of what modern horizons 2 is actually two years out now yeah june 2021 and this is going to be in you know the next year so three years between master sets for modern i think that's perfectly fine but then of course since Lord of the Rings is a master set without being named one i guess i can agree to a certain extent of people saying actually too many new cards yeah. that's where we are it hasn't sort of we're not seeing any changes in that horizon in the near future so i think that if you want to keep on playing your eternal format you're gonna have to live with yeah. that or play pre-modern basically yeah but I, I also just think that you know there will always be printings that will desensitize you from playing the deck you really enjoy but the most important part of that sentence is you really enjoy and I would stick to that, even if you don't like one of my favorite eras in magic was during the countertop meta playing bug decks against miracles was a blast. I mean, sure, there were non games from both sides, but I had a great time. It's also one of the areas that I know play wise was super egregious for so many decks. And I think compared to those days, not as many decks are being pushed out of the format. For sure. Creatures in general are more push, pushed now than ever. Surviving a ping for one, we like a lot of creatures can do that. Like Delighted Halfling just takes it <laughs> and stuff like that. There are ways and, and death right, rest in peace. I think that if Bowmasters, if anything, it raises a problem, you know, it has a lot of text, it's all upside and it has flash for a low mana cost. But a lot of creatures are joining this trend of becoming very powerful, strong base stats, 
relevant text. So I do think that it's just how magic is moving onwards with, uh, you know, fire designs, especially for creatures. I think that Lord of the Rings has also created quite a few new legacy archetypes or at least revitalized. I've seen uh, Esper Vile with uh, Bowmasters and Sam the Stouthearted. I've also seen like sort of Dead Guy Ale version of that deck, not playing blue, just playing in white, black, uh, bow, Sam, (laughs) basically. (laughs) (laughs) And like, it's so super sweet that new archetypes Types can form and like all, all our beloved <laughs> Karn Forge deck has gotten uh, some nice tools as well and for the Orlings control there's many things that's happening at the same time which is of course disruptive but also very exciting at the same time I think so yeah and since Robin is back I'm gonna say a super bad pun just to you know get get us all back on the road again he mentioned uh, the dead guy ale deck and he said you know the bow sam deck in sweden we have a word for when, when people live together in a marriage like situation and it's sambo oh so the deck should be sambo <laughs> like orcish bow masters are living together with sam and they are just cooking potatoes orcs and hobbits in harmony and that is all we have for this 95th episode of stockholm legacy report we would like to once again alert the community to the upcoming nordic legacy masters in 2nd september in malmö i personally will not make it due to family commitments but if you have the ability to go we really think you should legacy in europe is proving itself to be a successful community-driven format right now and to keep it that way we all need to support our tournament organizers as much as we can because if you can't make you know break even and get some money out of you know all the effort put into this events will not be happening so do that please and if you have any events coming up soon that you would like to have highlighted on our podcast here let us know in our discord server you can find the link in the episode description in addition to the discord you can find us on x at HTHLM Legacy. We're also on X personally. Robin, where can our listeners reach out to you? I am Jacka underscore Bo. Yeah, and you can find me on X, I guess, at Monolith MTG. You can write me what decks I should play there in Modern and Pioneer, please. And I am there at Disco Drogo. That is the end of the 95th episode of Stockholm Legacy Report. Thank you, Robinson C, and welcome back. And thanks, Christoph Rikström. I am Victor Bernhardt. Special thanks to you for listening. The Great Frenus has written our music as always. You can find more of their stuff over at Spotify. Until our next episode, remember that the Tom Holland lip sync battle to Umbrella is still out there on the internet. <laughs>